to another Jump in the Gun podcast. We're here in sunny Santry. The sun is splitting the stones. Jared O'Donnell with me and Ronan Duggan is going to try and... I'm going to say way more than I said last week. <laughs> good, that was Sorry, a good start. <laughs> He's already said more than last week. Uh, and of course, for better or for worse, I'm Phelan Kelly. So this week's podcast, we're going to be looking at plenties of Irish performances in near, far... And further afield in Oregon, obviously the AI Games, then there was Watford, and then a few other performances in Halle in Germany. We'll, we might have a quick look at that as well. Then we're going to have our talking point, our obsession potential, and how can we kind of get beyond that, and where will the the investment and the development of an athlete and the long term potential. Also, we've got the All Ireland Schools uh, coming up this weekend. The uh, Nicely linked there with the potential. There's going to be plenty there, and then that was all intended. By the way, we only just realised that now. That thing's in. And well, the, the graveyard. And then in the second half of the podcast, we've got plenty from our roving reporter at the moment, Cahill Denny, at the Eugene Diamond League for the Prefontaine Classic, historic Hayward Field. If you haven't seen social media, you've heard by this stage or read that it is historic, <laughs> whether you like it or not. But we've got some good interviews there, though, from Matthew Centrowitz, uh particularly in terms of Aswell Kiprop. Christian Colvin and also Shelby Houlihan and the great coach that is Jerry Schumacher. So, Jared, we'll uh, start off with you. Uh, obviously, you're not going to talk about yourself, but anyway, you had a brief, you had a good run, 13, 8. Very eight. brief. The briefer, the better for, yeah. for you. Well, it's a brief race. <laughs> if it was a little bit briefer, it would be better, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but 1388 and Matthew being 1392, and you weren't far off 1385, which is the European B standard for Berlin in August. Yeah, correct. Um, well done. <clears throat> don't know what you want me to say about it, but uh, yeah, that happened anyway. So it was good. It's good to have Matthew there for a good, solid, bashing race. We were side by side and clashing hands the whole way down the track as well. But two solid performances. I think uh, seen a tweet from my coach Jeremy Lyons saying it's the first time three Irish men have gone sub fourteen in a season. Ben Reynolds obviously went thirteen seventy at the Commonwealth Games earlier this year as well. So it's uh, hot and feisty in the hurdles. So which is good. We're pushing each other on because. Obviously, before Matthew came through, it was good for me because Ben was, you know, a half a second ahead or three or four tenths ahead. So, whatever I ran was never good enough. So I always had to push on, and then it'd be the same for Matthew. I suppose in the last season or two, with me ahead of him, he kind of couldn't rest on his laurels at all. Whereas if there was just one of us there running fourteen or thirteen nine, he can kind of get a bit complacent. So there's a nice bit of a competition there, healthy at home. It's a shame we have to go abroad to run fast against each other. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, to be fair in Oregon, like you've more of a we saw I was in Oregon with you. Uh the AI games, obviously the wind and then also the potential for rain and things like that mm-hmm. as well, whereas Oregon was hot and heavy heat and uh reasonably still but wind was still playing a bit of havoc there as well. Yeah, a lot of the young sprinters who were on the pre program early on in the day like were running into minus twos and minus threes and even my heat was into a minus two point one as well and Liliana Hora and Molly Scott had to hurdle into a minus 3.5 or something like so it's not really worth the price of your plane ticket at that stage yeah and the difference in space of 5 minutes between mm. uh, Jean Acme Moses won her 100 heat the basically the B100 uh, and into a bit of a 
a headwind and then that headwind decreased then for uh, Kieran Neville in, in the next race so it did play a part but it, it more interestingly what you're saying there and how the performances rise in Ireland and, and anywhere else is that sense of rivalry and like even golden ears of, of athletics in middle distance and particularly middle distance that how the rivalries pushed each other onto spur you onto better performances and even in recent history like Leonard Robinson mm. even back to Nolan Matthews like there's a guy I work with in yeah. school there is around 148 148 or something like that he's fifth in the national seniors at 148 and you kind of go and there was guys behind him around 148 as well so when you have that two very good guys it's still you still got guys getting dragged it's not just those two guys who benefit from the rivalry it's everyone exactly good domestic competition I think in that 800 final everybody broke one last place ran 149 or 150 <laughs> in the final of that 800 back in the that was a glory that could have been 1998 yeah. yeah so uh, yeah that was a good one but back to the, the present day Jared, yes. the hot heat of Ordegham and it's a it's a long day for some of the people who can think the event's gone on nearly from 10am right through to 1am finishing out yeah, with the 5k I think one of the 5k's kicked off at 1.20am yeah. um, but yeah, I suppose for for the likes of yourself who was coaching there, you were there for about fourteen hours sitting by the side of the track, trying to distract yourself or amuse yourself a lot of the time yeah. when there's gaps of hours between races and it's twenty eight degrees outside the stand and even in the stand it was a bit of a sauna because there was no breeze blowing through or anything. But uh, it's it's a good setup over there, but there's nothing magic other than the weather really. Like the track, the the lanes, the the numbers are worn off the lanes in places. The lines are faded. All it is is a hard old track that has sun on it and. You've good competition, obviously, because there's thousands of people going there. But yeah, and yeah, sorry, go as well as that, it was around ninety Irish athletes over there, and I think that's more of a concern than a kind of a bonus. It's like why are ninety Irish athletes willing to go over there to, to race? Like ninety there, yeah. But it's it's not just the it's not the, the actual physical factors. There's the psychological factors now of Ordegum that we all. Why did you go to Ordegum? Because you know that you're going to get reasonably good conditions or the mm. high likelihood of good conditions, and that other people have ran faster before. It's the yeah. same as Rieti. It's you know it's that kind of like well and you're getting on a plane there's a bigger deal about it if you're driving up there from Kilkenny to go to the AA games and if the weather is perfect AA games you're still just driving to Santry. Yeah, well, if you're like driving to the Santry for the nationals, it's, it's yeah, a bonus. there is a bonus. Santry yeah, is a great track. It is a great track. Yeah, Santry is as fast as any track. But you're going for the uh, games. It's the you can see there's twelve people in the stands. It's not much of an, an excitement or uh, a buzz about it, but. Uh, yeah, like I've run like dog shit in Oregon before, so like there's nothing to say. Oh, like yeah. I'll go run fast in Oregon. It's just about the day. But there is a little bit of like, okay, well, I'm getting on the plane here to this is a, where I know other people have ran fast, and as you, like as you saw today, even with your group, you have guys running fast earlier on the day, and the, it's building throughout the day. So you could be there, if, oh, so and so ran whatever earlier on today. She's okay. Well, I'm ready to run, mm-hmm. and the races are going on late in the evening. Was the music blaring? It was, yeah, all yeah. day long. Sony, the jury races, everything else, yeah. Like, it is, like it is, it is, it, it is a good meet, it. but like you say, like, there's not, like, okay, they've got the bit of beer there or whatever on the side and things, but, like, it's not, like, a magical wonderland over there. It's really is the weather. It's got the track there, and you're trying to get the competition. And I think, in terms of the meet, unless you're in, particularly in the main programme, like, I'd only really go there if I was a sprinter or maybe then a 5K runner, because when they ran the the distance races in the middle of the, the night and, and late like it's a, it was dead you couldn't get any better conditions it was re- dead still mm. nice still nice heat mm. in yeah, the air when I ran there it was, I ran my PB there and it was about I'd say about half ten at night 
and it was dark. It was almost dark. Like yeah, it was, yeah, it yeah. was brilliant. It was that kind of like there's no wind. It's not. It's warm, but it's not actually sunny. Whereas the eight hundreds were in the pre-program, and you've a lot of you've a lot of wind there as well, and then just that heat is is just it's intense, quite consuming. Yeah, and just finally, just a brief point if anybody's a middle distance runner, predicting the fifteen hundreds, they're they're big wide bends so the 1500 starts even further back so it's not perfect but I just think like if you had a choice if you're going to run 8 and a 15 particularly on that same day I've been to both now I just go to go to Watford because mm. even the European style racing is a lot messier there than in BMCs they're just there to, to run fast. Yes. fast I was going to say yeah, the first time I was there uh, Owen Everard and Joe Iron if they're listening which they probably aren't uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were all there and my race was supposed to be on at say, at, say 8 o'clock and it was on at quarter by 7 because they went from it was going to be eight in each eight hundred, and they changed it into sixteen in each eight hundred, and we were all suddenly out of sync completely. You know, yeah, it's also very messy for the distance races, and that like there's whatever ten to twelve eight hundred meter races could be, and you find out a half an hour before you, you don't know how to necessarily warm up. Whereas again, something like a BMC, you know you're in the F race and you're mm. running at seven twenty six. Mm. You can then prepare accordingly. Whereas you're yeah, it's still a great. It's a great. Experience. You can figure it out, obviously, eventually. But anyway, in terms of performances from the Irish, <laughs> I suppose uh, it was the juniors who were stealing the show over there. They were sent over by AI and uh, had a few heads mining them over there, and uh, Deck Monaghan looking after them on the treatment table as well. So that was good. But the girls, I suppose, the sprinters, um, Rashid Adeleke, another sub twenty four performance in the two hundred. So her first time outdoors, gets herself another qualifier for. European youths this year under 18 under so 18s yeah you're hungry uh, and in the hundreds you had like you mentioned there Kieran Neville and Gene F.P. Moses both ran in the 11 sixes to get more A standards for themselves and then joined on the relay by uh, Rashida and Molly Scott they set a new national under 20 record of 44.15 so it's actually third fastest on the senior list so if you just think you slot Phil Healy maybe into that team and would you? Get, you could easily go down towards that 43.84 mark. Very handily, I'd say. Yeah, what's the record? 43.84? 43.84 and they're around 44.50. Because I was going to so say, like, even a little bit more, like Rashid is just practice. new to the team, bit of practice, then surely they'll get under yeah, 44, 44 anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, like, the juniors, really good performance by a lot of the, the youngsters. Again, gaining more experience. And then in the distance, Sarah Healy breaking Kira McGeehan's. Just before you get distracted Sorry. by distance running yep. and end up talking for 20 minutes on it, uh, Miriam Daly also in the 400 hurdles ran a 6188 A standard, I think. Oh, European under 18. Or, or under 18, yeah. yeah, so European standard for her as well. Anyway, go on about your, uh, your distances. Dara McElhinney and Sarah Healy. Dara McElhinney, Sarah Healy. Tell us who are they? Talk to us. Well, Sarah Healy, to be fair, a lot of people know uh, Sarah Healy at this stage. She's, she's the coming queen at the moment she won the national indoors over 3k which we've talked about before but anyway she just missed out on the Irish youth record at the BMC in Manchester which I was at and there was very bad pacing in that one now this t- race again was even messier again but the pace was enough she she went smashed it anyway she ran 4.13 mm. but, uh, but there's definitely way more potential still this season to go second or two faster so it was good to see there was more to do and that she had to chase two leading athletes and she's leading the chasing pack obviously takes a lot of energy but more experience for her she's yeah. going to be going to the European under 18s as you know let's face it she'd be looking to win at least the very least a medal yeah. uh, and still all good for development I was talking to her coach over there. she's still playing a bit of hockey which is you know good yeah, as well it has to be done all around development exactly and you're still in school I don't think there's any need to really over professionalise and 
as we'll get in shortly into the potential. And then Darren yeah. McElhinney had a very good run late in the night, bagging his 14-11 for 5,000, which is, you know, he's in fifth year, another, at least another year as a junior. The record there again is 14 3 mm. uh, I think Kevin Mulcair has that. He broke John Tracy's one, which we reported previously on. But I think, you know, those are the general things people can catch up on all the results. But I think that leads in again, <laughs> we've talked about these youth records and junior records, for somebody like Darren McIlhenny, okay, 14-11, and well, he could break 14-03, but ultimately, you're looking to try and become a 13-20 and faster athlete. Mm, yeah. And uh, I think John Travers, just to lay mention to him, he ran a 13-43 just outside a, a European B on the night as well, and he won his race. But again, he's trying to get to John Travers's level and then beyond, beyond exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose it's not really... The obsession shouldn't be shouldn't be really around that fourteen oh three junior record. It should be around a thirteen twenty senior performance from him, rather than you know. There's always that long term goal needs to be looked at and looked after by the the coaches or those who are, I suppose, stakeholders in the athlete or in the association looking after the athlete. Yeah, I think it's the package. And I, look, it's it's like any of these podcasts. It's like when even like writing. Uh, a lot of the stuff for Athletics Ireland when you type in like the headline or the thing you come, we, we've gone over a lot of this before stuff before and, mm. and it is a cycle and it is repetitive but you know in terms of looking at it from a more interesting point of view as we were saying just earlier about like you know in football and stuff you have scouts and I think yeah. it's another part of the the programme to have an athletic scout for potential oh, yeah. in terms of physiological potential uh, psychological screening and also like wh- where are they in terms of like yeah their physical development and progression from a from a young athlete and yeah absolutely yeah. to a senior because we've, we've seen so many kids and we're going to see them on Saturday and you're going to be like wow they're so good but next year they mightn't they might be, be there yeah yeah so I suppose we won't get bogged down and all that kind of stuff we've seen when I was looking for I was trying to tag the podcast last week on the, the website and one popped up from two, three years ago, 2015, talking about the ghost town at the AI Games and how the athletes are all heading to Oregon. So nothing has changed in that regard, so there's no point in going over the whole thing again. But in terms of uh, Irish performances at the AI Games, we've seen Phil Healy shining shining light again. Unfortunately, again, the wind gods were yes. they were going the right direction, just a little bit too strongly. So she had two 3.0 runs. So again, she was inside the Irish record, but a plus three or plus 2.5, I think, the win for the 100 metres. But... 11.37 and then uh, 23.09 uh, in the 200 which is serious movement but again that was uh, a 3.0 wind and even those wins in the 200 like they're taking it at one point in the race it might have been absolutely well it was obviously some benefit but there's no guarantee that she got that huge boost off it so yeah and Dave McDonald ran 20.93 which is a huge yeah. one as well for for 19, 18, 18 yeah he'll be in the schools next weekend but he also ran a 48.5 for the 400 so that was uh, encouraging to see from him but that's another man who's uh, you know he showed great promise as a young lad and then a few injuries and hiccups along the way and it's great to see him back uh, obviously in, in great form now and we'll see maybe Marcus Lawler's record of 20.88 for the 200 of the weekend could be under threat until tomorrow we know it's magic on the day of the national schools but uh, just and yeah, another, it's hobby it's hobby hobby. Hobby. <laughs> it is yeah. Hopefully so. But uh, other Irish performances over the weekend. Uh, Dean Cronin won forty seven thirty seven, so took a second off his PB. Man who won the national eight hundred meter title when he was still in school, and 
like many Irish athletes, kind of struggled to fill that potential for a while after. But he's over in America now the last couple of years and back in business big time. So that's a B standard for the Europeans as well. Yeah. So Zach Curran ran in 147 as well in the BMC. So. Watford and Kira McGeehan won her 1500 in Watford in 4.09. But uh, yeah, just on that, like Dean Cronin is another athlete. Like in terms of potential, if we're going to screen these athletes and if, if an athlete, as I was saying earlier about an athlete's get like you've identified this athlete has potential so invariably it's a rocky road to the top even like people like Rob Heffern you can fall off the wagon and get back on and that's where you know how do we focus on sticking with these athletes if we believe they're good enough in, in, in the long term as opposed to saying oh they've fallen off the wagon the next one mm, you know yeah. for example Keen McPhillips I think he's still 15 as well he ran 151 up in the Belfast Irish Milers Club there and Mary Peters on Saturday so like if we're identifying him as potential if he has a little bit of a stutter have we identified him as a as a as a future international or not and that's kind of yeah it's kind of it's strange you, you can either do go on the rabbit hole of if he is at 19 20 21 and is struggling uh, do you keep continue to pour money into him or do you continue to try and get hold of him and maybe he's just gone off the rails altogether we were talking about Kieran Lauder earlier on who at 16 finished he second in the national senior indoors, ran three forty six, I think, at around sixteen seventeen as a youth, youth yeah, bronze yeah. medalist. And, but then at, you could have said at nineteen twenty twenty one that his career was pretty much over. If we go with with, with the way these things kind of generally go when, when they've kind of disappeared for that long, and yes, then came back and had a, a good couple of years and ran three fifty two mile and tenth in the worlds and that kind of stuff. But he'd be one of those guys that they did continue to support and then came back to a a, a very very high level. But so we were saying earlier on, like we need to get, it's almost getting more guys. It's the masses trying to get five or six guys that are running reasonable times and supporting more, supporting them less maybe, supporting top guys less and hedging your bets a little bit with the guy who finishes 10th in an all Ireland schools cross country rather than the guy who wins the all Ireland schools cross country. And why do you need to go to the European under 18s or the world juniors? Like, mm. is that, I mean, look, it is, a, there's no denying some of these things like the really top athletes. They shine when they're young. I've said that before, mm. and I go on that theory sometimes. But you know, in terms of your development, you need to go to the world juniors, particularly in terms of you know psychologically you go out there and you're running. Whether it's sprints, you're against <laughs> Americans and Jamaicans, and then distance runners, you're going to get up against Kenyans, and you're going to get lapped. Like, does that really develop you? Is that and a development? And if you get a sickener at young athletes, like they need to learn how to develop their training and be ready. To train when it matters at eighteen, nineteen, like it's there's you can't do enough training and get any benefit from it at a, at a young age to, to really make yeah, big gains. Well, we talk about it particularly from a distance running perspective, um, and all Jerry love the distance running too. Absolutely, but uh, <laughs> it is this idea of like, well, does I like I couldn't care less about if a guy is running well at sixteen, seventeen, but can you develop them that sort of at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, they're able to take on the trend that they need to run three thirty five? Like, does anyone really care if we get another guy running? Like a 15, 16, 17 year old run that can run 348. But we, want, we want one that can be strong and is able to continue on and run 335, which I presume is what the whole point of having a you know a high performance units is to try and have high performance, not juniors. Well, I potentially think, good performances. Well, if I think it all works out in 10 years' time. Uh, yeah, well, I just think like with the likes of Dean Crowell in there now, running 47, I'm sure there was people all over him when he was running 150 and 149 as a young lad, and then they probably just give him the 
the scene on WhatsApp or whatever ever since when he was only running 152 or whatever and struggling a little bit. I'd say the only people fighting his case were his college in America or whoever when he came home in the summer down in his local club. And now those people will be trying to buy back into him if he runs a 146 or something. And he should just tell them to fuck off, really. <laughs> because that's all they deserve. I believe that. Um, because if you put him and Keane McPhillips side by side now, there people would still be thinking, ah, yeah, but Keane McPhillips is, is only 15, like so he's a better athlete. Yeah, but this has run four seconds quicker than him. That's all that matters. Yeah. It's like, whatever about potential, it's what is he actually doing? So, like, if a 23 or 24-year-old lad is running these times, there's nothing to say he can't run 145 when he's 28. Just because you're 15 and run 151 doesn't mean you're going to run, run any quicker than 150 any other year of your life. Yeah. Like you're saying, yeah. with the physical development and everything else, there's, there's no strict path that humans follow that uh, is guaranteed... It's it's quite fun. We were on we were training earlier on. We we're talking about the, the the lads in school. That the current intermediate team finished third as juniors uh, in Sligo, and there's only three lads that are were on this year's team that ran two years ago. And we we're talking about all the guys that disappeared in the last few years, and that's in a school basis where I'm chasing them, you know, on a weekly basis, and you've lost that many guys or they're they're not any good anymore, and that's two years later. But that's a crazy stat. Like everybody who medals. Like a lot of time, a lot of the minor medalists, say at the All Ireland Schools on Saturday, most a lot of them mightn't even they won't even be in Tullamore next, next year. year. Like, and that's a crazy yeah. stat. One year. And just briefly on the the logic and the development of exposing young athletes to international competition is is a good theory. But what seems to be the case now is that like a lot of these athletes, they've had their international career at 18, 19 and said, well, sure, may as well enjoy my life now. Like, they've gotten yeah, their yeah. tracksuits, they've done the schools, internationals, they're going to do European Youth Olympics when they come around, European under-18s, World Juniors, and they've just had their fill of it. And even if they don't do that, they'll be off to Ordgum to be an international athlete without getting the tracksuit anyway, or they'll be off somewhere else, they'll go to a BMC, they're travelling all over the world to race, regardless of being at an international standard. We were actually chatting to, and this is actually a sprinter I'm going to talk about it now. Oh. Uh, we were chatting to Sarah Lavin at the track, what it must have been about six weeks ago, and she was talking about being a youth and junior athlete and being, you know, being really, really competitive at, at European level and, you know, this is going really, really well. And then that jump from European junior level to European senior level and how even running a suit like Oregon those meets as a senior, how she found that change to like oh god this is a whole different step up from junior level to senior level you could, like Irish athletes are competitive at European level at junior level but we're not competitive but it's, it's hard like that's the thing I suppose for everyone and that's not making first but to, it's to disasso- disassociate sometimes from a results driven hmm. as opposed to like the development particularly in some of those events or any event like the technical or the physiological development that really needs to be done to get to that higher level and that that is a big challenge like for anybody and uh, I think like the novelty can wear off like the ones who really want to be good and they'll, a lot of them will come through but the novelty can wear off but uh, then to develop from the, the juniors and the potential like you were saying Jared, and we're saying the beautiful mind of like a logarithm and a theory and there, there is a, a structure and routine to it that you know let's get our John Travers and different things he's just outside the B let's get our guys instead of investing in overly focus on say Dara McElhaney let's get John Travers to the dance then once we can figure out him getting the dance the next guy getting the dance Dara McElhaney we now have our our logarithm Dara McElhaney will now get to the dance as well and then we'll eventually hopefully how much be ca- finalists and medalists how much cash does a and like this like you're talking about a 15, 16, 17 year old who's living at home 
who just turns up to training every every day and more than likely has the parental support if he's gotten this far that will pay for a pair, pair of shoes doesn't really need to be going abroad doesn't really need that much financial support whereas the 25 year old who's trying to work half time so he can do run 100 miles a week you know and then run 100 meters run 100 miles a week or train really hard or train hard in the gym or train twice or three times a day or go to physio pay for physio that's they're the ones that need the actual financial support not the 15 year old who's just gonna be you know they're getting money anyway from their parents yeah and i think it's just in general it's not just athletics but like it's like these leinster rugby academies in 13 14 they're all being thrown in this pool to get gary ringrose or o'driscoll or whatever mm. it's the over professionalization of sport and the fact to get them let's get them running jumping throwing enjoy your sp- enjoy your sport enjoy it and like it will then come to you. like i found like as i said before like training with somebody like say mark english like you know I would have tried to be and get to a certain level, but it some of it will come to you. Like when, when you train with somebody like Mark, like they are really physically gifted as well. And when you train with somebody like they're like, okay, right, it's a different level of all. It's like you know, it's like somebody Graham Burke playing up top for Shamrock Rovers at the moment yeah. is different to uh, you know Marcus Rashford up top for for Man United. It's not they're both playing a lot of football. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just one just has. Training yeah, more is going to make him score 40 goals in a season. Yeah, but it's finding, the, how do you find the marks faster? It is by passing so many people through, the, through your hands. Tell us your, tell us your good analogy, I won't rub it on you. Oh, uh, eating, a, eating an elephant to shit a budgie. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you do have to get put a lot of people through your hands to get the diamond. Like, that's that's unfortunately it. Like, whereas we don't think we're probably not getting as many through your hands because you've got, like, Gaelic football is taking so many and rugby is taking so many and by trying to as you said over professionalize a lot yeah, of it, it's not it might just be putting too much pressure and it's like for all of us to realize don't be putting too much pressure on these young people let them enjoy their sport mm-hmm. and let them come to you and they'll say right i now want to take it seriously as opposed to we think you're really good you need to do this 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 and this yeah, yeah i think 14. that's, that's part, of, part of the fear <laughs> probably with, with the people who are mentoring them is that oh i might lose them to rugby or soccer or Gaelic or whatever because they're very talented athletes and sports mm. people obviously they can run all day so they'll stick them in midfield here so then they say okay you're an athlete you're a professional athlete here now you're 16 years of age but you're going to go to the Olympics and if not 4 years time 8 years time so you need to stick out athletics you need to do everything right while we're going abroad to race we're doing this this and this yeah. and then the athlete might even enjoy athletics or else they'll get sick of it because of that it's all so serious at that stage already yeah and it can work both ways like we were talking to Killian Green and, and your group who's in the European under 20s uh, last summer the 200 he basically turned more to running because he got sick of Gaelic football and Galway there was like you're on the team everything is ga 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 and mm. then you obviously go ga ga yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it it is a tough caper like it's a tough game for everybody like you do have to try and bring them as you say so that they'll buy into the sport mm. and that they won't go to another one and then just ultimately, you know, we'll look at it, into it in terms of we'll move shortly now to Prefontaine, listen for Shelby Houlihan and like just talking about Jerry Schumacher. It's like it's you have to have a philosophy and you've got to stick to your philosophy, isn't it? Like if you're if your long term philosophy is like not putting too much pressure on enjoyment, then you've got to stick to it and let people come and go. Because ultimately, if you're yeah, you like to, you if your product is good enough, people will stay, and if they're not. It's not necessarily you, it's those individuals because you can overinvest in somebody and then they're going to change their mind anyway. You yeah, know? you have to be willing to lose at least and but keep your philosophy and keep going, keep that going rather than going, okay, well, to keep Johnny who's running 
1350 and he's the best athlete, I'm going to have to change my philosophy just because, you know, you should stick with you, what you believe in as a, as a coach or you believe in as a, as a club as well. Yeah. You're not going to go yeah. chasing someone. No, they're going to move to different clubs. So we have to change what we do. All right, there's guys who come to the Nationals every year and run 205 in the heats. Like, why do they keep coming? Because they enjoy running. They enjoy it. Yeah. So how do you get that attitude into every athlete that you coach? I haven't coach? been Nationals in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that should be the attitude that every athlete has coming up through the ranks, that they love athletics, so they're going to go and compete anyway. It's not just about winning because you're never going to win yeah. at that stage. But, uh, yeah, like... Though you need your athletes who are coming, like you said, finishing fifth, sixth, seventh at the schools next weekend, that they keep coming back every year to try and improve, and they keep competing into their twenties, and then eventually they might get a breakthrough at some stage. Things might change. They might jump coach, realize they need to switch event or something, but they're still involved in the sport and still enjoying it. They mature mentally and learn how to do their event. They like learn. They now they've done the training. Now they know how to run, <laughs> and yeah. just in terms of brief, in terms of, like you said, the club philosophy. It's same again for the let's say inverted commas lower level don't be throwing everything you don't have to win the national league and pressurise people and compete in all the leagues are you going to develop them and keep them in the sport uh, or or not I know you can statistically say oh they're all gone by 24 anyway but maybe as you say if they keep coming back and join it they will stay in the sport long yeah and more like to give their kids and who are encouraged other people to do as well what I always said to you like that it's better to have that oh it'd be great if you had an athlete like X wins or wins national title rather than you know this athlete, we had this athlete run the 200 for us in, in the first round of the National League and then the athlete tells us to F off for the rest of the summer because they're, you rang them 10 times to get them to do it. Like, yeah. By forcing them into doing an event that they don't want to do and, and a county you know, novice or whatever, it's better than to not let force them into that and then actually just keep them running with the club. And athletes like to take uh, their natural instinct. They want to take their athletics as far as they can take it. So if you keep that sense of enjoyment with them, that when they potentially go past it that point either to apply themselves in that way or maybe they pass that point of their peak they'll then come back and say ah oh, yeah sure the club is good to me I'll now compete for enjoyment and I'll run the leagues and I'll mm. do me four before and I'll do a one a two and a triple or whatever it is yeah the steeple 15 shot put triple absolutely yeah. and on that note <laughs> just before we've rambled on for a long time there just a couple of other good performances from our Younger athletes at the uh, games, Davisha Patterson ran the fastest 400 outdoors by any Irish woman this year. She's only 17, I think. Uh, world Junior A standard 53.64, and behind her, Kira Dealey also got the standard of 54.64.68. Uh, Reality Osuwuha, two good runs in the 100 and the 200, 17 years old, 21.57 for the 200, which is swift moving, and uh, 10.81 in the 100. So, yeah, he is reality. Yeah. Maybe we should do our. We'll have to do a new. Uh, we should do our results service and said we can. Reality Asuha twenty one fifty seven. The, class, the classifiers. Patricia Patterson fifty three sixty four. Anyway, yeah, like I said, you can read through all those results yourselves. But there are a few standouts yeah, performances in the rain and Santry at the weekend. So, moving on from there, we have the schools on Saturday, but you can tune into the live stream and we will be talking nonsense on there. So you can catch up with all that on the way. But on Facebook, I assume. The Athletics Ireland Facebook so we'll try and get a bit more interaction if you can get it gone with the end trial obviously be stream at, at Irish Athletics on Twitter and the Facebook we'll try and get a bit more interaction and we'll try and get a bit of back and forth back For to the all, old everyone that's worried as well Carl then he is flying back he's back on Thursday don't he's worry he's coming back a day early so he's well rested especially uh, for it yeah but uh, Starrick Tullamore Harriers. We'll uh, fly abroad now over to where Cahill was to Eugene for that Diamond League film. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, people to listen to here before 
we get chatting into it first I suppose who we hear from first so we'll start off with Matthew Sentritz and his views on Aswell Kiprock uh, to be honest I was yeah I was um, as a as a competitor of his you want to think that everyone is on the same playing field you know you don't you don't like to speculate, or at least I don't speculate on who is and who isn't. Um, I can do that with other events. I can do that with other sports. But when it comes down to my event, um, I don't. I don't really go to that. Um, I don't really take my mind there because at the end of the day, we have to race each other, and it doesn't make any difference um, at that time. But um, I will. I will share a, a, an interesting story. I guess after the Olympics, um, right after the race, Nick and I were walking to the medal ceremony, and. Uh, I just, it almost remembered, it just kind of stuck out to me. I remember, I'm, I'm obviously super excited and, and uh, you know, like, just kind of went up to him and he was like, he was happy that McGoofy got second over Kiprup and, and I don't know why that stuck out to me and I was like, thought to me, like, that was kind of strange just because of, like, you know, all the accusations on, you know, McGoofy the year years before, but, um, yeah, so when everything kind of, like, came out recently, that just kind of reminded me of, like, what Nick said, like, right after the race and, uh, so I don't know if he if he saw that coming or what, but um, yeah, that kind of just stuck out to me. Did you read but, his defense? I mean, do you do you buy what his explanation is? Nick's uh, Kiprop's defense. Oh. Um, to be honest with you, I got the cliff notes. I actually didn't read the whole thing. Um, I mean, obviously it sound. I mean, it raised a lot of red flags. I think if anything, after reading that, there's got to be something that needs to be done over there. Like, it just seems like getting tipped off, knowing when they're coming, not coming, that just, I mean, again, that's just not how that works here in the U.S. It's nothing that I've ever even, when I'm in different countries, you know, over in Europe, that's just, you just, it's, everything is random. You don't know until they're knocking on your door. So I, there's a lot of things, you know, money and everything is just kind of like, again, like I said, a lot of red flags. I Just nothing that I'm used to dealing with or hearing about, certainly all new news to me about how drug testing is done, you know what I mean? Like, all my teammates, anyone I've ever spoke to in the U.S., like, that's, foreign you know what I mean like that's just yeah yeah some interesting thoughts there from uh, Matthew Sentritz of course the Olympic champion in 2016 and saying that uh, Nick Willis said to him he was happier that McLeofy got the medal ahead of uh, Asbel Kerbrot but not really that he had any suspicions but looking back now he, he thinks that that might have been a little bit of a hint from Mr Willis yeah exactly yeah it's an interesting answer and obviously there's slight irony uh, in that obviously he's Oregon project and being involved with Alberto Salazar and all the accusations there. Just an amazing irony when you read through the, the first uh, six centimetres, the Oregon Project, McLuffy of, of Algerian fame, <laughs> and uh, Nick Willis, Suleimani, Jem Adden, uh, Igeter, Moroccan, and uh, then Kiprop. So, yeah. Dirty Straits in history? What a lovely <laughs> top six there. That's awesome. But I, I do think like centimetres does answer the questions well and he goes into a few other areas I just uh, sorry I'm just going to throw in a spanner in the works here everyone views Nick Willis as this great shining light and why is he beating all those guys uh, because he's obviously gone to the same pharmacist because <laughs> <laughs> we like Nick Willis yeah, yeah. he's a exactly. great guy he seems like a nice guy yeah, uh, yeah look you're exactly right just, just but I suppose you can't assume that a guy is on drugs just he's running fast You've got a, a lot of clarity. I think at 21 as well in college, uh, did he run 3.31 or 2 by 20? He was running at yeah, very early doors, yeah. He'd have been. to run that at 15 to be any good. I suppose your setup, uh, hey, your openness, know. your communication is linked with Ron or Warhorse has never ever been any. Yeah, I think you have so, like a, it's scenarios. almost, it's not, not there's, no, there's never going to be one smoking gun as we've seen even from Lance Armstrong that's going to go oh, look this is the guy that they've, they've done this if they don't get caught for a drug test it's going to be how many factors can we put in here that link them to a potentially 
uh, you know, being being uh, being on drugs, you know, and yeah, I think to really associate with, and especially with the way the sport is now, there's just no point. You know, like we've seen the example with Laura Muir. Now, I think there's nothing wrong personally with the Oregon Project's strength and conditioning coach. She's just clearly a strength and conditioning coach, but she was going to go to him to get advice off, and then after a backlash, she decided not to associate with him. And I think that was a good, ultimately, it was a good decision. Yeah, whether it just be for PR, but like if we're trying to broadcast a clean sport you don't need to associate with these people somebody else can teach you how to clean and squat and do a, mm. a plank and yeah. how to periodize that all your strength conditioning well, she's probably bought into the whole Mo Farah ran fast because he started doing strength conditioning even though he's already doing it before he St. Mary's yeah yeah that nonsense anyway Central yeah some interesting points there and then he talks about as well his uh his wild night out after his favourite race ever run, how he was a bit of a geek when he was in college. He never went out in Oregon until after that famous race, and here he is telling us about it. That question recently, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with uh, the 2011 U.S. Champs. Um, I was still competing for Oregon. Um, that was my first U.S. Championship um, win, and I just had everyone here, you know, like my family, friends, um, watching, obviously, the stands. And uh, believe it or not, that was like the first... After that race, that was the first night I ever went out in Eugene, like party. Like, oh, yeah. So I was, uh, I was a young kid, and I just partying, going out wasn't my scene in college. And uh, I remember the next morning, like I was on like Luke Pesquedra's shoulders at one point in the night, you know, this and that. And I remember asking like guys who had you know gone out before me and the guys on the team, and I was like, is going out always that fun? And they're like, absolutely not. I was like, okay, good, because I felt like I would have missed a lot of my college experience. So um, that that. That whole win was kind of like probably my favorite, I'd say, like, um, at Hayward Field. And uh, and Bernard Legat got second that year, and um, he was obviously uh, an inspiration for me growing up. So kind of like to take down one of your idols was just like that much more meaningful and uh, of a win. So yeah, that would probably be Yeah, I think it just shows as well as just pretty young athletes, like uh, in terms of the going out, like he had a great night out because obviously it was the novelty. It's like anything, the novelty does wear off. You don't always have to go, to go out. And then the old classic FOMO, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've done a fair few nights in my time that you what? know. Yeah, it's it's what you are what you, you are what you habitually do. You know, if you if you're able to if you go, if you go to bed at ten a half ten every night for six weeks and twice in that six week period you go out and you stay up till two or three in the morning, it's not going to make a big difference. But it's the person that goes to bed every night at one a.m. and texts until one a.m. and then goes out of the weekend, they're screwing themselves up twice twice as bad. You know. Um, but maybe that's an answer as to where Sintras has been for the last uh, since since Rio, you know. Maybe he's just gone to beer. I think he's <laughs> just been enjoying. Like, it's a serious come down, isn't it? We were talking about. Uh, you were saying, oh, we should be like last year, and then the, the the down years between the Olympics. It's hard to get yourself up if you've won an Olympic Games, and then in those four years, obviously you can get back up for another Olympic Games. But yeah, when you've reached such a high, you do have to come back down, and I think. Is like the old classic field, you know, you have to let it go fallow for a while for it to, to flourish again. Yeah, so sticking with the Milers, there was a good young performance over there as well, Ronan. Yeah, the uh, Ethiopian. Yeah, um, that's the one everyone loves. Fairy, it. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, of course, we have. We didn't take <laughs> 10 years of age, 351. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's the one. So, King Jacob, Jacob Ingebrigtsen, uh, we're not playing an interview from him because I think it was. Carl had it. He was just talking about his four or five year old brother, but <laughs> we won't listen to that one. And we have had all the hype. But again, at seventeen years of age, three fifty-two. I think the world junior record. David Monty had to correct himself in a tweet. Is actually three forty-nine from Tanui Osbelen. So he's got a, another year or two to have a stab at that. But again, phenomenal running, and 
you know, again, we're talking about development. This guy has been doing his aerobic development since three or four years of age on, on rollerblades yeah. in an underground car park doing kind of like cross-country rollerblading. So he's he has had a huge aerobic development and then he's hitting his 58s and he, he ran the race perfectly. Yeah, the 16 and 17 year olds out there running around in uh, Nolan Park or whatever, like, it's okay. You don't have to be Jekyll again, but it's Ingebrigtsen right now. It's all, it's all right. This guy has been training his aerobic base properly for about 10 years, whereas most people have started running about two and a half years ago and only started running properly about six months ago. Yeah, yeah like I think Nick Willis, sorry, had a good tweet on that. I think that was his fears. Like, just everybody out there, yeah. everybody has different rates of development, you know, relax. It's it's not that it, and it is brilliant to see and it's obviously great a uh, great story and the the Ingebrigtsen family dynasty but uh, you know yeah it's not a one size fits yeah. all kind of situation here to be fair but yes I was just when his name isn't Tafiri it's Tafira and he is eighteen and he beat him and ran three fifty one but no one cares no that's it that's no. a, that's the story of the sport right there summed <laughs> up in one sentence yeah yeah but white guy wins because he came third or yeah. fourth. <laughs> but he's white. Yeah. But, but, but I think what you do have to look at, like we've we've seen there with Highgate and stuff, like where is the money? What uh, what is the development sport and the interest of these people? So if you're going to make any product, you make the product for the for the customer. <laughs> like, yeah. and why do we not do that? Like with Highgate, they said actually we're going to put on, and there was a Kenya or two, but like this is the product. This is what these customers want to see. Why are we giving them? And it's not anything else. Like. Why give them all these Kenyans that they don't really have an, an interest have in. an interest in? That you want to connect with your public. Like that's why, like GA culture, like you know, yeah, it's, GA, it's the locality. It's what they kind of want to see again in Highgate. They they catered it for that particular market, and then you can kind of like look. At, if you were if you were the Martin Games, it'd be much cheaper to load up an Airbus there from Kenya and bring over a whole lot of lads that can run in the mid three fifties. For them, you know, throw them in there and they run them well and cost them a lot less. But they do get a lot of Americans in. And there's a bit more interest and there's a little bit, of, you know, chat about Irish Americans and, and colleges and all that kind of stuff and Villanova and there's a bit more to it and there's more things to talk about and more things for papers to sell. And yeah, the they, they seem to be very tuned into who the Irish fans are engaging with as well, even on social media and things. Like, even like bringing Nick Willis into on a four or Nick, Nick Simmons. Nick Simmons into on a four hundred a couple of years ago. People like that. <clears throat> people that the kids there are want, going to want to get photographs and autographs with and will obsess about and even like having Johan Blake there a couple of years ago people just decided on the day oh geez, he's running let's go just to go and see him so those kind of I know he's a bit of a superstar in inverted commas but just the uh, the kind of 358 355 milers from America who the guys are seeing on Instagram or Twitter every day of the week they can tell go and see them getting your Kyle Murbers and you've had Will Lears and obviously then they have the decent link with the Malvern Track Club that people have a good affiliation with and you've seen some of their lead runners there the last few years and it is that type of connection and again you want to get people into the sport they they want to see the path that I can actually be like this person because I'm, I'm the same as them and get that connection um, so yeah I think we do really need to look at the product and what, what we're giving people and like Jacob Ingerickson he's an interesting story Norwegian, the, the whole family, kind of a, a lunatic family nearly, on one level that the father has just decided he's making runners out of most of the children. And that, and even the fallout in that, there's a brother that has completely rejected running in this over-pressurised environment. But even if you look at, say, like he's, he's actually running faster than Alan Webb did at 18, Alan Webb ran 353, 
But Alan Webb, Ryan Hall and Dayton Ritzenheim, they do talk about them in American terms as being the catalyst for this current American running boom. And there are like Americans and, ja and say the, the Japanese are some of the few uh, non-African runner nations that are able to actually run at this level at the moment and are producing lots and lots of reasonably good runners. But they can pretty much come back to the, the those three coming out of school at the same time and people obsessing over them and obsessing over this class of 2003 or whatever it was. And they've all gone, they all went on to reasonably high things, but they've also dragged the standard up across the board. Yeah, like what was that? Was it Chris Lear had the book? Remember? Yeah, all, Running with the Buffaloes. Well, that's Running yeah. with the Buffaloes, but yeah. what was the Alan Webb book as well? Oh, uh, yeah, something for the four minute mile. Quest something. for the summer. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like Alan Webb was big, like when we were. Uh, younger and up and coming innocence and you know you're buying into it I was saying before like same with Craig Mocha my personality a person you're buying it I was trying to buy his spikes to wear them in, in the races and you know that's the thing like how like that's how flow track are flourishing they're not going to flourish by they might be great now but they can't connect with like we'll do a whole expose or, or a yeah, real yeah. follow of the, the Rift Valley Kenyans like that's great but yeah. we're not from the Rift Valley <laughs> yeah yeah it's not, it's not you're not able to relate to it like yeah, like the kids are training, they're all talking, look, Jacob Ingerson's after doing this, after doing that. And that's, now they're talking about the sport, they're interested in the sport. And one good thing that I think we'll, we'll listen to that now is like this Jerry Schumacher and the Barman Track Club for, for women and the Barman Babes, as they call them, French Braid Friday, and they have their, the French Braid, but Shelby Houlihan had another, like a, an outstanding breakthrough. I think 403 was her best beforehand. She's broken four for the first time and beaten most of the best middle distance runners out there. I feel like I go into every race hoping to win, um, and I was picturing that the last few weeks, and I was just, it's kind of surreal for it to play out in my mind the way I, it had um, previously. So I was just, going into the last 300, I was just like, you know, I'm gonna try to switch gears every 100 meters, and I felt really good at that point. And I was just hoping it'd be enough to be able to catch him, and it was, so I was really happy to be able to do that. And what's the preparation been like? Has it been for 1500 or more towards 5k for the summer? Um, kind of, kind of both. Um, I think we're kind of prepping for this 15, and then um, I think we're going to switch gears and go focusing on the five for USA's. But yeah, I mean, we've, I've been up in altitude at Mammoth Lakes for the last month, so just kind of prepping for this and each workout, just picturing this race in my mind. So it's been. It was really cool to be able to come here and break four, so that was the big goal today. And it's another breakthrough for Jerry Schumacher and yes. BTC. What yes. is it about him, I guess, and the group that he's created that leads to so many athletes just improving under him? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a number of things. He's just a really awesome coach. He really knows what he's doing, and he you can tell he believes in you and like uh, tries to put you in the best uh, position that he can, uh, and you just got to go do it. Um, but also just having teammates that are as good as me if not better around me um, we're just making each other better every day so that's a huge thing as well she mentions the BTC there Phil was that like the DTC or but better better than the DTC just slightly <laughs> a little bit similar yeah so the Bowerman track club there it is interesting they have that I was looking at some of the social media but they have their Bowerman youth and everything we have a long way to go but most importantly in terms of Jerry Schumacher's they may have a backer <laughs> we yeah, don't possibly. So, speaking uh, of which if there are any backers out there <laughs> please help us out but no in terms of like Jerry Schumacher he, he started off in developed his name I think was in Wisconsin as, as the college coach there and then progressing it's just you know you buy into these coaches and people and like Patrick sang and that it's like it's like I'm saying about the logarithm he's got his, his theorem and uh, the package as a coach and obviously psychologically there and mentally like she was talking about belief and it works like Shalane Flanagan winning there you've got 
Clean Quigley, Courtney Frerichs, obviously now Shelby Houlihan and, and, and Gwen Jorgensen now is in there as well. And you know, it's, it's funny, like success. Getting success women to train together, together is, is also a fantastic achievement. I yeah. know they're paid athletes, but even being paid and getting good women and a lot of high quality women, it, it, historically, if you look at high quality women, they've got male training partners generally, and, and rarely you'd see top class women training together. Train together. But it is, it's funny. Even like, lower level, to be honest. You're talking about uh, him having that, that the track club there. It's funny how if you get a, a he, he becomes a world-class coach having coached world-class athletes, but by coaching world-class athletes, he gets more talent and more talented athletes and gets coached more world-class athletes. Mm-hmm. So he's able to build that brand and then people go in and believe on him, believe in him then as well. It's like going to the therapist. Sometimes yeah. they're already ha- caught or healed before they've even got in the door. Yeah. They've bought into it, like the psychosomatic yeah. side of it. But again, to be fair, he's built up his process from producing results in college. Mm. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm not saying. I'm but it is very true. Like you know, you, you've got once again half the battle is also like you know, a recruitment basically. Like you've got to have the the raw materials. Like you were saying, I think was it you, Jared Aron, and just about Lawrence Seagrave. You know, he said, well, like I could get a couple of eight thirty jumpers, but I could get like twenty to thirty of that raw material, and I could just smash them and then I'll get two and be like oh jeez he's coaching 830 jump yeah, it's yeah. like well it's not really a great achievement when I had when you've broken, yeah, broken, broken 17 of them yeah, yeah. three yeah. now that you mentioned Lawrence Seager I'm going to cut straight in and get into the sprinting uh, from the stick how can of, we relate this to this stick, stick of <laughs> Eugene uh, it's still in Eugene the yes, home yeah, Hayward, no, the historic Hayward Field historic yeah um, Noah Lyles 1969 2.0 wind perfect 19 year old from the USA, the next great hope, perhaps, of Lane the USA. seven, I think, as well. Mm. He's an Adidas athlete, so they sometimes like to bung them out. They did it to yeah. uh, Miller Weebo, obviously, had a brilliant run in the centre lane. She thankfully got a decent lane in the 400 and 49.5, but they bunged her out into lane eight last yeah. year as an Adidas athlete. It's, uh, yeah, it's a farce, in fairness. And then in the 100 metres, we had someone in there quite interesting. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left. He went and named me Sue. Boy named Sue Bing San, yeah, second in the world indoors, uh, behind Christian Coleman, of course. And Christian Coleman was there, and we caught up with him vicariously through running, through Colin Dennehy. You know, obviously, I'm excited to watch all the, all the races this weekend. He's some, some crazy athletes here, so every race is going to be competitive. Um, and so, really, I'm excited to whenever I'm not competing, obviously, you know, watching the races, but, you know, before my race, you know, I'll be locked in, dialed in, ready, but after that, you know, I get a chance to, um, you know, sit back and, you know, and watch a great week, so I'm excited about that. Is there a particular time you'd walk away with happy this weekend? Do you have in mind? Uh, nah, for me, every time I, I'm coming to the track, it's about, you know, just coming out with a win. And so, that's my same goal coming into tomorrow, is just um, come out, try to compete and execute the best of my ability, and try to come across the line first. Um, and so that is, that'll be that'll be a, a win for me. You have, know, things been, have things been pretty smooth since we last saw you in Birmingham? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few hiccups in a row, but I mean, that's that's sport, that's track and field. You know, you gotta deal with, you know, you know your body's your tool, and so, so sometimes you have, um, you know, hiccups. But, you know, tomorrow I'll be ready to go. I feel 100%, and, you know, when I step on the track, um, I'll be good, so I'm ready. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, there Christian Coleman talking uh, after or before his race uh, at the press conference, but he was the one we were looking forward to seeing after winning that World Indoors and setting the world record, but he was bested by his teammate Ronnie Baker who ran 
9.78, but it was an illegal win, 2.4. Go Col- on, Ronnie. Coleman got second just there, like he's saying. He was hoping to get out there and win, but not quite, and he won't be happy at that time either since uh, the wind was legal and makes it null and void. But our man Sue, boy named Sue, was fourth, 9.90. And interestingly there, the man who won the previous Diamond League, Reese Prescott, from GB, 9.88, windy, but that's serious shifting from him as well. So it'll be interesting to see how all those boys will go when uh, the wind allows it for legal times later on in the year. Are we going to see, just in terms of peaking as well, the way, you know the way Bolt could go, well, I'm just going to train, essentially, even walk through the Jamaican trials and get myself to the World Olympics and be able to perform in the day. If Christian Coleman has gone out at the start of the year and, you know, Ronnie Baker is not exactly, you know, like he's a top-class athlete, world-class athlete, but you, he would be expecting to beat him. Yeah. He's going to have to probably peak for the US trials and maybe he's not going to have as, as easy a time say, as, as a boat would to yeah well like this year obviously there's no championships to be looking towards he's done all he needs to do in terms of getting the world record and the world indoor title under his belt but it's just about a, a cash tour now and win the win the Diamond League race and, and that'll get him a ticket to the world championships next year will it win the Diamond League I think, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. think yeah so that's kind of I suppose the big one for him so he be, won't be too happy with taking that L in that race at the weekend but uh, yeah you're right but I'd still fancy Coleman at this stage he's uh, he's a couple of years younger than Baker in fact but he seems to have a bit more championship prowess Baker did get bronze in that world indoors as well but you'd still fancy Coleman to come through the rounds a bit stronger yeah, I think that Cohen, as he's talking there, he's had a few hiccups, he's had some injuries, and I, I like the line he's saying that everybody should realise your body, you know, in this business, your body is your tool, and, like, mm-hmm. you've got to look after the body, and that's what he's he's learning, like, and you're travelling, like, he's a Formula One car, isn't he? Like, yeah. a, a little nut bolt out, a little niggle in a shin or an ankle, like, it, it, it can distort everything, so you've got to have everything together, and I think realising that your body is a tool is... That's your modus operandi. That's your method of business. You've got to really keep on top of it. And he's 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 a young man, and he's learning how to put that all together. And especially in this kind of gap year, as it were, he can. Because I suppose that's bring to bring it back to our Tom around just very very briefly. The the fact that he's saying there as being like one of the best athletes in the world. If you're slightly out of touch, that it's not going to go very well for you. And we talk about all those junior athletes who probably are going to be slightly out of touch at 18, 19 and have minor injuries, but they never get a chance to get over those hiccups and come back. Or you mm-hmm. kind of know it to yourself, Joe, you had a long period of injuries. But at all throughout every one of those years, you weren't, you were one and a half percent off in terms of your injury to actually get back and run really, really well. Mm-hmm. You had a talent to run well enough, but you just couldn't get over those little hiccups for a couple of years. Yeah, and you see it with, you hear uh, stories from people going to like youth championships and junior championships carrying injuries just because they want to go and get their vest whereas they should be thinking well this doesn't matter I realistically should be going to the senior championships in five or six years time and if I'm making a balls of myself here now in terms of my body and then going there getting smashed losing all motivation what's the chances of me getting back to running the European championships in whatever a couple of years down the road so anything else from Eugene I think we've it all kind of wrapped up there yeah I think just briefly just for uh, not quite a laugh but just you know historic Hayward Field I, I was at the meet last year and you know it is great that they're knocking the stand down and going to improve the seating like it's it's hard short wooden benches you're getting yeah. somebody's knees are going into your back your knees are going to somebody else and you're, you're sitting down for like two hours you need to get up and stand and go out and you're like oh sorry people are it's like being on a division four gamash down in Longford or something yeah like it's just if you look at the modern stadium now they're great you can literally stand up and 
not everybody necessarily has to stand up. They can just shift the knees a little bit yeah, aside. Yeah. Just that sense of comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when we were in the Lexi run for the, the Welsh class of the Zurich Diamond League a couple of years back, like it's a modern stadium. Like It's still historic, even though the seats are new. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to. Old Trafford is still. Yeah, yeah exactly. They can still, put in a green plastic seat yeah. and keep the team of the. You know, just just because they put new stuff in doesn't take away the fact that you know uh, George Best played in Old Trafford in in, in the sixties and finding a lot of goals. Like it's still Old Trafford. Like, yeah, doesn't make a difference. Just uh, taking away from the distance running again, big event at the weekend for especially for those outside of Europe the main uh, multi-events championships of the year it is every year and it's always the one where people qualify Gutsis was on last weekend uh, we had Ma- some storm performances from Damien Warner and uh, Nafi Tian yeah they fairly dominated Warner with 8.795 in his decathlon world lead national record PB and uh, Tian was just outside what she was kind of charging towards that European record on the first day especially she's first woman over 2 metres this year in the high jump 201 and she ended up and with that's eight. a record. Nobody's ever cleared two meters in an actual. Yeah, so six thousand eight hundred. I think Carolina Clough's record is seven thousand and change. So, yeah, fairly good signs for her. Of course, she'll be going to the Europeans. Warner won't. He is Canadian. Um, just uh, we were thinking of talking about this last week. I had a little bit of trivia ready for you. A little quiz. No. Yeah. So during the mid early mid two thousands, two athletes, one of the men, one of the women's, won five in a row at Gotsis. Roman Chevrolet. Correct. In one. Fail of a That's the men's. That's the men's. That's the men's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His hand's been it's, raised uh, there. It's not Carolina Clough, I don't think she can. Denise Lewis. No. 2000s? Oh, I know you said 90s. No, no, sorry, no, no, sorry. Early you went for Roman Chevrolet? It is Carolina Clough, yeah. That was, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah, <laughs> I, gave away. I gave the game away. You <laughs> never would have thought of it. No, but I, I was wondering, did she compete for long enough? Yeah, but yeah, I think we, we, we've had that, and I know I mentioned uh, the Halla Throws. At the start of the show, but I can't remember anybody's name <laughs> in terms of. But there was a, a youth best there, and there was some good performance from Irish athletes over there. More importantly, well. Roman Chevrolet always just looked like you know a small body lad, and uh, yeah, there you say he's won five in a row. That's it. So That's like, it. But indoors used to be up in Belfast, and the Odyssey, he was up there one time. He was, he yeah, he took up most of the picture program. I think he yeah. came up there one time. <laughs> He just—he was injured one year, so I think he came back in to say hello and for banter and snaps. There was one of the European. I think it might have been Thomas van der Pletsen as well. Injured himself in the eighth event, and then hobbled around basically in the fifteen hundred in the end because he needed to get his European qualifying mark and got it. He ran like five twenty or something for the fifteen hundred. Yeah. So, bit of guts and glory there, as they always show. They end up battered and bruised, but they end up putting love eight or ten weeks or so before the Europeans to get himself back in good nick for that one anyway yeah Shane Aston and Amy McTaggart defended their combined events so happy well. days at the national combined events which also took place in Santry this weekend yeah and Phelan he has found that name very, very deep in the the brain that he, he has in his own review <laughs> yeah Tiger Murhertig of Dunboyne I'm not too sure if he's related to Michal Murhertig he probably is uh, so surely as I wrote so beautifully was one of the highlight performances at the Halle Throws in Germany when the under 16 champion was 63-30 an Irish best performance that's pretty fair so that was brilliant yeah that rounds up uh, this week's podcast nicely I think so we will be back here next week but in the meantime we will have Carl Dennehy joining us for that Irish schools live stream uh, bright and early Saturday morning probably live from about 12 midday or so hopefully Mm. on the Facebook keep an eye on the AI and the 
ntri that's n-t-r-a-i uh social media streams and we will hopefully hear you'll hear us there or if not next week also last week's podcast with kevin dooney give it a listen if you haven't done so already because it was uh very brave of him to come on here and talk to us in the first place and i think there's definitely some something to take from, it from everyone uh involved it was so good i was speechless for 90 percent of it yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Week. <laughs> I haven't plugged it on uh, so much on the in the social media. It's kind of like one of those things you're you're not gonna like force a, a, a social media plugin uh, for a kind of a clickbait thing. So like if you have a listen, as we said, and yeah, and of course I don't think we mentioned last week either that the podcast is now on iTunes and Acast and hopefully on all of your other podcast apps. So you can like and subscribe and leave a little rating there on uh, iTunes if you can for us. That would be great and a good we, rating. Well, yeah. hopefully, like as so was it or Tesco? Every little helps. You can yeah. rate it whatever you whatever you want as long as it's five stars. Yeah, no, it's very high. And we will see you next week. Thank you and bye bye. Mm-hmm.